You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Jacob Lukowitz, online and social media editor at SD Times. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about the need to have crypto agility in a post-quantum world. With me today is Kevin Bocek, VP of Ecosystem and Community at Venify. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for coming on. Hey, Jacob. Great to be here. Great to have you here. So to start off for our audience, can you explain the concept of crypto agility uh, and why it's becoming increasingly important in light of potential quantum computing advancements? Yeah. So when we think about, uh, first, we should, of course, think about the the problem and challenge ahead or maybe the opportunity, uh, which is certainly the quantum computing revolution, uh, which is to you know leverage uh, quantum computers that can in massive parallel uh, compute. That has tremendous opportunity, that massive parallelism uh, for everything from uh, chemistry through to machine learning, uh, generative AI. I mean, just, just imagine, um, you know, today's uh, large language models on computers that are thousands of times more capable than today's, you know, most massive GPUs. So huge mm -hmm. parallelism uh, and opportunity. The challenge, though, also is um, those same capabilities uh, have the potential to break everything that we've kind of built authentication in the Internet and payment systems uh, to, to break it, which is to break uh, that foundation of cryptography that everything from when we use a a payment card uh, to when we start our web browser uh, to now frequently, you know, actually when you uh, get a, uh, a container loaded into a Kubernetes cluster authenticated. So uh, yeah, the opportunity to break that, uh, to break that cryptography, which especially gets expressed in things like uh, digital certificates, for example, which many of your audience will have gotten, uh, you know, up close and personal with digital certificates, especially with setting up things like TLS. So has the opportunity to actually to break that, uh, to technically uh, to to factor um, those uh, very very uh, large numbers that that crypto mm -hmm. is built on. So that's a huge risk. Imagine a day. Imagine a day for the audience when, uh, wow, a payment terminal, you wouldn't know whether that was uh, a good payment terminal or actually an adversary. Um, or when you connect it to the internet, if that's a uh, web service that you're talking to, whether that's you know, Amazon, the government, um, your bank, whether that was real or not. Mm -hmm. uh, all those things that we've come just to just take for granted uh, would be broken. So that would kind of set us back to a world, you know, 30 plus years ago. That's that's the risk ahead, mm -hmm. um, which uh, is a risk with quantum computers, whether that's 5, 10, 20 years is almost certain to hit us. So that means we're going to have to make some changes, uh, make some changes uh, in the, crypt uh, the cryptography that we use and also make some changes in things like the machine identities, things like the TLS certificates or code signing certificates that uh, yeah, many developers will be familiar with. And that's something we should definitely dig into, which is depending upon what type of developer you are, what do you need to worry about to the future? Do you need to worry about crypto or do you need to worry about other things? 
Um, I see. Yeah. So uh, all, all our uh-huh. challenges that we're going to face. Mm-hmm. So uh, as far as I can see, um, for now, it's just the uh, it's the quantum potential to break that cryptography, right? Or are there already some some cases already uh, out there that we need to look out for? Well, the, the bad guys already do that already, which is they know how to steal, they know how to ferret around and find, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether that's API keys or TLS certificate or code signing certificates that we've left around in a Git or maybe accidentally we published to an S3 uh, bucket. No one here has ever done that, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, so the, the adversary is already good at that. But the, the risk to the future is, uh, you know, that's a future risk. We don't know when that's going to happen. Is that going to be, again, five years, 10 years? We don't know. We've experienced some of the challenges, though, in this core fundamental, whether that's cryptography or machine identity space. Like if we think back to Heartbleed, you know, back in 2014, uh, you know, many probably of the application developers or platform teams will remember, like, oh, you know, the, the sky is falling. All of our app servers, our load balancers uh, were vulnerable. We had to patch them. And the thing that was really at risk is that memory was being leaked, that Herpley, which might leak, you know, the keys to things like TLS certificates and like our web servers couldn't be trusted and authenticated and maybe they wouldn't be private. So we've already experienced that. We had to change out all of those uh, certificates. Um, so we've gone through some practice exercises. Also, maybe some of, you know, your audience remember like the SHA-1 transition when we had to transition from the hashing algorithm that was SHA-1 onto SHA-2. So we, in the end, A, our applications had to support it. And then B, we had to change out, uh, in this case, the certificates, the TLS certificates. Uh, So those were on us to do. Uh, And yeah, to the future, um, you know, the first adversaries that are likely to get hold of the type of quantum capabilities that would massively be able to factor uh, things like RSA uh, cryptography that we use every day in the RSA certificates, you know, that's going to be in the hands of nation states. Mm-hmm. That will not be your common, you know, off the street cyber criminal. <laughs> They're not going to get parts to create a, a quantum computer. Um, that's going to be something that will first be in the realms of nation states. And then comes the cloud providers. They're also going to have these capabilities too, um, which will be interesting you know, to see how hackers, adversaries try to take advantage of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll have some, but the good news is we'll have some indication that this problem is getting closer and closer and closer. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, it's always good to have a, a positive take on some of this. <laughs> so sort of addressing the elephant in the room, I feel is, um, you know, you have the government already talking about it, you have NIST. Uh, and the CISA is pushing agencies for a quantum readiness roadmap. So what what goes into them talking about it now? Why is it important to address now? Well, this is something I love because, you know, when NIST, uh, which, uh, of course, is U.S. Uh, government agency focused on standards. I mean, their primary audience, of course, is other government agencies and then secondarily private enterprise, both in the U.S. and around the world. I'm here in the Netherlands. And certainly both government and business, banks, retailers, insurers, manufacturers, all look to NIST for standards. But back behind NIST's actions, um, of course, 
are the intelligence services and others that are bringing urgency um, mm-hmm. and, and guiding this to say, hey, you know what? We need to become prepared. We need to be ready, first government, but then also the private sector for a future, uh, yeah, where quantum computers are real uh, and have the ability to break today's crypto, break today's machine identities. That's why NIST has been engaged, and actually it's a multi-year. It's not just started this year, but wow, um, you know, five, six more years uh, in the making of getting to the point where as we look into 2024, we're going to finally have, you know, a full set of standards of post-quantum ready algorithms that um, are, are believed to be, and I say the word believed to be, uh, you know, immune to quantum attacks. Some of the algorithms mm-hmm. considered before have been actually found to be a bit less immune. Uh, but NIST will bring standards. Uh, that's great. And of course, that's driven the urgency behind that is what intelligence services and others are saying. Well, you know what? We're getting to the point where, you know, quantum computers, yeah, we can see them on the horizon uh, that would be capable of bringing together enough qubits uh, to be able to factor. Um, mm-hmm. the type of cryptography that we're using each and every day that's built into everything. Right, right. So uh, could you share some examples of industries or organizations that are particularly vulnerable to the quantum computing threat and how are they approaching this need? Well, the simple answer there is everyone. I mean, everyone is vulnerable. Every every uh, business, um, at least every business I know is operating A on the internet, uh, B um, is certainly looking to use cloud-native cloud computing. Uh, so that makes yeah. everyone vulnerable. Uh, now, of course, then in you may be vulnerable, but are you a target? So what's your risk? And of course, mm-hmm. the targets are the usual suspects of government, of uh, financial services, of uh, critical infrastructure like energy. Uh, you then get into uh, certainly payment services, um, you know, it, it, the adversary has all sorts of different reasons. You know, you may even think of shipping and logistics uh, also uh, as even being a target because now, of course, ships, uh, you know, move around either uh, semi-autonomous or autonomously. They're highly connected. So being able to break uh, that um, ability for machines, in this case, ships, to be able to communicate with the cloud, to be able to get intelligence, to be able to get analytics, to be able to get commands, uh, navigation. That could be, again, a target for an attacker, an adversary. Again, these are things that, um, you know, makes everyone vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <clears throat> um, I think, though, what's important and important for the audience as we think about this risk is, you know, what do we need to, as whether we're software developers, as platform uh, teams, or even if we're security teams, what do we need to be concerned about? Uh, Because unlike, uh, say, 1996, most of the audience here is not worried about which crypto algorithm to select. I don't think most Certainly application developers today, it's a great thing. You're not worried about which algorithm to select, which one's better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of that, if you're an enterprise software developer, is going to be decided for you. Um, Your cloud provider, uh, your infrastructure uh, providers, whether that's Red Hat or Microsoft, 
your applications uh, like F5, uh, Nginx, um, Apache, they're all going to decide uh, you know, what crypto algorithms are enabled and embedded. You're not going to have mm-hmm. to decide that as a software developer, which is great, unless you work at one of those uh, developers and then basically you'll just be following NIST suggestions. What the application developers and platform teams will need to be concerned about is A, are we using the latest uh, applications and libraries? We'll need to be concerned about that. And then are we automating uh, the use of the latest types of uh, things like TLS certificates or code signing certificates? Are we changing them out, being able to update them? That's actually what the you know application developers and platform teams are going to be concerned about. They won't be working about uh, you know what um, what crypto algorithm uh, to select. So I think that's really important mm-hmm. to keep in context for for the audience. Don't worry if you're application dev or uh, you know platform operator. You're not going to have to go down and and, and worry about uh, crypto algorithms. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a delight for some to hear. <laughs> so yeah, so I think who, it's a bit like, it, yeah. yeah. So just just you know, I think it's really like a, like example. I'm here in Amsterdam. Uh, you know, either you've got 120 or 240 volts coming out of the plug. Mm-hmm. If you're in the US, you've got 120. If you're here in Europe, you've got 240. You know, if I'm a if I make a coffee maker, if uh, I make a computer, uh, you know. I, if I make a, a tablet, I'm not worried about what voltage is coming up. That's that's sorted out for me. So that's the way I like to to compare it to to the future mm-hmm. with uh, with you mentioned crypto agility and post quantum readiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So so on the other hand, who is going to be uh, most commonly responsible for for handling this and for Im- implementing some preventative measures? Yep. All right. So, A, if you're a developer and you're at Microsoft or Red Hat or Google or Amazon, yeah, you're probably going to be making some decisions for your customers. Uh, You've got the infrastructure, you've got the platforms that then do use crypto, and you'll be making some decisions. You'll be making sure you've got the latest OpenSSL library or other libraries. Um, So, but most of the audience, again, will be um, thinking about what are the applications and what do they support. Uh, and mm-hmm. your security team is then going to say, hey, you know what, by a certain date, uh, we need to be updating our certificates to be compliant, uh, whether that's TLS or code signing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is how often, too, we're going to be changing them. Uh, so you know, for application teams and platform teams, you're really going to be looking to your security team to say, hey, uh, you know, this is the date. Um, this is uh, what we're going to be using. Make sure the applications are ready. Make sure that we've got the automation in place to change out these, uh, yeah, TLS certificates, cosine certificates, or for using things like JWT tokens or, or API keys. Yep. Um, so that's, I think, what the audience is is going to be worried about. And yeah, mm-hmm. working closely with your security team. Yeah. Very interesting. And so what steps should organizations take now to prepare for post-quantum era? Yeah. So um, good news is, is that uh, the prescription here is going to help you today, help you tomorrow, and will help you whenever we have to be ready. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it starts with um, just first having observability. I mean, observability is something certainly that 
devs and, and platform teams are really, you know, concerned with. Well, let's have observability over all the certificates that we're using, over all the different applications that are using them. Because that's, all, in the end, it's going to be the apps and the certificates, the machine identities that we're going to have to worry about replacing. So once we've got that observability, and and note, uh, it's important as well for the for the audience. I didn't say like inventory or list because you know what we're constantly changing. I mean, whether that's a Kubernetes cluster, whether that's out in the cloud. I mean, we're changing by the by the millisecond the number of certificates that are valid. So if your if your security team were to come back to say, let's create an inventory, uh, inventory is already stale, like a second ago. We're going to get observability. All right, so you're going to get observability. That's the first part of the prescription. And second, then, is you're going to be able to then have intelligence. Okay, this is um, what we're using. Um, this is, then we're going to have automation because we're going to take out me or you that used to go to the terminal or used to write a script to change out a certificate or update uh, a library. So certainly mm -hmm. platform teams, uh, app dev teams have been putting in place automation around things like patching, uh, around build automation. It's amazing. Perfect. So what next then we need to have is the automation around the type of certificates that we're using uh, and where we're getting them from. Uh, and this is something, all of this, so if we put those three elements together, that observability, that intelligence, uh, that automation is something that we're going to have to use already. So coming up shortly within the next year, Google is going to require uh, for all public facing certificates, that's anything that your applications are serving up to Chrome, that those certificates can only be valid for 90 days. Today, that's a year. A couple of years in the past, that was two or three years. So now every certificate will have to be updated every 90 days. Well, we take that prescription of observability. What are we using? Great triage. When do we need to replace it? Does it fit with policy? And then automation. Can we automate it in our Kubernetes clusters and our Terraform um, automation? Are we in Ansible uh, with our cloud formation, uh, with all of our AWS or with uh, you know our Google Cloud um, automation? So. That's what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to change these out every every 90 days. If we're now practicing that, we're doing that effectively. Well, when post-quantum comes around and we get worried that, hey, there might be a risk and that we might need to change out uh, certificates and update our applications, we'll be really, really well prepared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, on the other hand, we're still doing this by spreadsheet or kind of sort of with some scripts here or there, then we're still going to have some challenges, whether it's that 90-day uh, change out cycle or we get get ahead to post-quantum world yeah right yeah imagine still doing that the, all that manual stuff in the post-quantum world <laughs> uh, that that won't be um trust me uh you know if, if many of the audience will again will be working in cloud native designs where you're scaling up and down you're creating you know five thousand ten thousand workloads within a matter of of minutes or even less mm -hmm. uh, no 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 human uh, we'll be at the keyboard uh, working on that problem. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. Thank you so much for your insight. I can tell that you're very passionate about this. And honestly, I could li listen to this for a whole lot longer. Um, but for for our audience, are there, do you have any parting thoughts or, or key takeaways? Yeah, you know, I think this is um, a special time for application developers and, and platform teams. You know, you've got all the tooling in the end uh, that's capable, um, whether that's, you know, from uh, Terraform or Kubernetes with Cert Manager, you've got all of this capability to drive automation. Work with your security team. They really actually want to work with you to make the right decisions. Um, and I think that's our opportunity ahead because uh, things are moving so fast. Um, the adversary is looking, it doesn't matter who you are, who you are uh, is looking to target you. And, you know, thinking about security as something as application developers or platform teams, you know, isn't our primary responsibility. We want to deliver features. Uh, we want to deliver cycles of features faster. Work with your security team. Uh, to to build in that automation that's going to uh, you know keep you safe. Fantastic. Well, it looks like that's all the time we have for today's show, and I want to thank you again, Kevin, for coming on. Thank you, Jacob. Love it. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Be sure to check out all of our weekly episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform. 